0: Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com. Today I'm taking your questions on Boost Leaks, Vegetable Oil Conversions, Tuning Your Car, and more. This is episode 217 of the Humble Mechanic podcast. All right, remember, if you want to get a question on a show like this, email me, charles, at HumbleMechanic.com. Put question for Charles in the subject, ask the question right at the top, hit the enter button a couple times, then give me the details of the question. That helps out so very much. Also, if you don't see your question on a show like this, be sure to check out the quick videos playlist on YouTube where I do one question per video. All right, let's talk about sponsor of the day, which is CRP Automotive. CRP deals in a ton of OE maintenance and repair parts, timing belt kits, suspension components, and even fluids. In fact, they make the factory DSG fluid for Volkswagen and Audi. So check them out at crpautomotive.com. And remember, of course, that these Q&A shows as well as many other episodes are available in audio-only platform on iTunes, Stitcher, and over at humblemechanic.com. Real quick, if you want to help support the show, get awesome discounts to places like Black Forest Industries, Eurowise, SP Automotive, Sonic Tools, and more check out the crew membership program i'll keep that one short for today because let's get right into the questions first one up i have an 06 vw gli that has a significant boost leak and it goes into lint mode around 70 miles per hour there's no smoke coming out of the exhaust and it's not rattling just the sound of air escaping it's honestly coming from the passenger side tire do you think it could be the turbo going out or something else so you know good question um it's impossible for me to know for sure what's going on But your key here is that you said you have a boost leak and it sounds like it's coming from the passenger tire. Uh, I assume the passenger front tire anyway, and there's a boost pipe that runs right next to where the tire is just in front of where the serpentine belt is. That not only has junctions in it, there's actually like three junctions right in that area, four if you count where it goes into the charge cooler but that's a plastic pipe. So you could be dealing with something as simple as a seal blown out or a clip not clipped in all the way, a broken pipe, a split hose, anything along there. What I would do if I were you, I would get the car up in the air, whether that's the whole front end on jack stands, you could probably cheat and just do the passenger side, but I'd want the whole car up in the air. Then what I'd do is I would take that right front tire off and I would get my flashlight out and I would shine it and do a visual inspection. You're going to be looking for an opening, a gap, a split hose, a loose seal, you know, a hole in the the pipe altogether. If you don't see that immediately, start looking for oil. Oftentimes, when we have boost leaks, the tracer is engine oil because there's always going to be engine oil coming through this turbo system. So look really close. Also, the lower portion of where your bumper is attached is also roughly right in the lower front is roughly where the charge cooler slides into the core support. That is a very common place for a boost leak because things pop up and hit it. Or if you've had any kind of front end damage, do a really thorough inspection and look for this leak. If you're having a boost leak that you can hear that obvious, you should be able to find it pretty easily. It should be a big enough hole that with just a simple flashlight you can see. There are tons of other ways to find boost leaks. You can pressurize the intake system with smoke, That's a great way to do it, but that requires equipment, and you may not have that. So before I did anything, as far as taking it somewhere, even probably before pulling faults, unless I had my scan tool ultra-handy, I would do a visual inspection. And I would look really, really close at each junction. I'm guessing that you're gonna pull that right front tire off, you're gonna shine your flashlight there, and you're gonna see either the hose loose, or a hole in it, or something like that, or where it goes into the charge cooler, some damage right there. Also up higher on the charge cooler, where it slides into the core support um, or bolts into the core support on that one, I believe. That's another really common place, depending on whether it was hit or something like that. So if you know you have had front end damage, take a look there. Why it's going into limp mode? It's probably just really upset. You know, 70 miles an hour, that is probably a higher RPM. And it's upset because you have a boost leak, because it's got less air than it thinks it's supposed to have. Uh, Remember, when we have a vacuum leak, we're getting air pulled in that's not metered. When we have a boost leak, we're getting air pushed out that has been metered. So you need to start thinking in those capacities if you're trying to diagnose small things or fuel trim issues. But when it comes to a boost leak like this, do a visual inspection. You're going to find it pretty quick if I had to guess. All right, next one up is from Tom. Hey Charles, I have a 14 Passat 1.8 TSI with a six-speed automatic. Will stage one cause any damage to engine or transmission after the flash since now the drivetrain is under more stress? Thanks for your great videos, Tom. Uh, Tom, yes, it will cause probably a little bit more stress. You're probably boosting up the boost levels a little bit, but dude, don't worry about it. Um, Tune it, you're fine. Stage one is one of the most safe modifications you can do, even if you were to add an intake, even if you were to add exhaust, heck, even if you were to add a downpipe you're gonna be fine. These are very minor, minor mods. So think about it this way. Let's say you are living in the desert and you want to take a road trip. So you're in the extreme heat and then you drive up to the mountains where it's considerably colder. In that matter of hours, you have went from hot extreme, cool extreme, and the car does fine. It adapts. It will be fine. Don't worry about it, especially if you're going with a reputable tune, Unitronic, APR. There's a handful of other ones. Those are like the two big, biggest VW names out there um, in the world, but man, I would I would do it. I wasn't, wouldn't hesitate for a second to do it. Don't worry about the stress. The one thing I will say is that, you know, you're a 14, so you may already be out of warranty anyway. That is something to consider. If you do have a warranty issue, it may bring up a problem if your ECM is tuned. I've dealt with a lot of tuned ECMs under warranty, and, you know, out of 100, call it, maybe five were an issue. It was a very, very low number. So I wouldn't let that change my mind on tuning it, it's just something I wanna make sure that you're aware of. Look at the numbers, do the studies. I actually came really close to tuning our Tiguan uh, when we first got it with a stage one plus, I think was what I was gonna do from uh, Unitronic, but I ended up not doing it. I didn't wanna spend the money on a car that was just a lease that my wife was gonna be driving anyway, so we opted not to do it. That being said, if I owned something that was my personal car, uh, the first stop would be to get it tuned if a tune was available. So. Tune on, man, don't worry about it. All right, next one up is from Mark. Hey, Charles, what are your thoughts and experiences with waste vegetable oil conversions, the two tank method? I'm a newbie to the channel and a newbie to taking care of one's own car. Though mechanically inclined, I'd love to convert one to rely slightly less on fossil fuel, but heard both good and bad about conversions, what are your thoughts, Mark? Okay, Mark, I have dealt with like two or three of these in my career. Two-tank method, where the vehicle starts, warms up on diesel fuel, and then either auto switches or manually switches to veg oil. Love it. Think it's great. Functions well, yes. You need to be aware that this does add a different element to the vehicle. It adds a whole nother fuel delivery system that can be problematic, solenoids, controls, that kind of stuff, depending on how it's set up. But I really like that. I were gonna do a veg oil conversion which to be very honest i don't really have a whole lot of interest in doing unless some company wants to fund that build for us and for the channel then i'm all about it but as far as like from an enthusiast standpoint i think it's cool and i think other people are doing really cool things with it it's just not really right now anyway this could always change in the future is not really my thing so if I were gonna do it though, that's how I would do it. I would have basically two separate systems that can function independently. I would also, before I even considered that, you need to make sure you have the right car, okay? I wouldn't buy a 15 Golf and do this veg oil conversion to it. They are sensitive, they are fussy, there's a lot more problems that can occur on the newest gen stuff than the older stuff, so I, would be looking for in the Volkswagen world in ALH, which is like the mid, late, uh, sorry, early 2000s, uh, or even even back further than that TDIs, up to the Pompidou's, which should be able to run pretty well on veg oil conversion. That's not to say, because I know there's somebody screaming at me, Charles, my 15 has got this and it's fine. That's not to say you can't do it on a 15. It's not saying that at all. Or that Gen 1 common rail or Gen 2 Passat common rail. You can do it. It can be done. It's just way more problematic than the older stuff was. So make sure you get the right car before you even consider this. But I love the two tank method where it warms up on diesel fuel. The one that I have the most experience with was not that. It was not the warm up on diesel fuel and then run on veg oil. It was a straight full veg conversion and it was a pile of garbage. Um, Always, always something wrong with it from fuel gelling and freezing in the tank in the fuel filter not running it never would run correctly because something was going on with it the o2 sensor or excuse me the ect was all weird because they had like soldered um, resistors in it to change the values which made it really upset in, in an effort to fix it right their guy fixed it and, and it was nothing but a headache so you can do that. And you know what? If I lived in Arizona and never had to worry about fuel gelling up, maybe I would do that that way, but I probably wouldn't. And, and you know, that they can it can be done and it can be done fine. It's just, I don't like that method for a car that is something more than a project car or a toy car. This is your weekend car and you don't need it for anything. Do it, do whatever you want. But if this is your daily driver, man, don't do it. You know, we would we would put a fuel filter on this car like every 6,000 miles, if that, because the fuel kept gelling up inside of the fuel filter and it was clogging the filter. And then we'd have to clean the tank out and then we'd have to flush the lines out and you'd get this goopy, nasty stuff coming out. And it just, it didn't, it worked when it worked, which was rarely. And the car was just all kinds of upset with it. It didn't like any of that conversion, not to mention it looked like crap. It was done poorly, executed poorly, so not a fan of that one at all. This is another one of those questions that I love to hear the audience's response to. What do you guys think on veg oil conversions? Oh, and if you're gonna do this, um, make sure that you're using good, clean vegetable oil or good, clean biodiesel. Don't, uh, don't fry a set of fries and then just take it straight from the fryer and dump it in your extra tank. Make sure you're doing your filtering on it and everything like that. Uh, there's a million videos, I'm sure, on, on YouTube on how to do that kind of stuff. Again, this is not, like, my favorite thing in the world, so I haven't done a ton of research on it. That's just my experience. Do the two-tank method, and you should be just fine as long as it's a good setup and as long as the car is okay with it. You know, the cars with the DPFs, the cars with AdBlue injection, I probably wouldn't do it on those. All right, guys, last one of the day. I have an 03 Passat Wagon, 1.8 turbo, five-speed automatic, two-wheel drive, 127K. I just paid too much for it from a used car dealership. They replaced all four brakes, timing belt, thermostat, and coolant sensor. I had to replace four coil packs and spark plugs and a battery, and had to back flush the heater core. They tried once and failed. Yeah, I've seen that many a times. When they were putting the front of the car back together, they broke a headlight adjuster on the headlights. The gear with the Allen heads on them are gone. Any way to fix or adjust these without taking the whole front end off. Also, when in drive or reverse at a stoplight, I hope you're not at too many stoplights in reverse. Um, The drivetrain vibrates quite a bit. If I let it creep forward just a bit, it seems to go away. It does vibrate some at certain RPMs or when accelerating, just not as bad. Unfortunately, I'm stuck with this mess. Otherwise, I would have taken it back. Okay, a couple of things. You probably did pay too much for it. Those Passats, while I love them, are incredibly problematic and expensive to maintain and repair, but I'm not gonna beat you up about that. Yes, heater core clogging, very common. I'm surprised my Passat hasn't done it yet. I should probably backflush it as preventative. On the headlights, you might be able to fix this with the headlights in the car. Don't waste your time. The front end of that car, when you've done it a couple of times, can be done in a matter of minutes, like seven minutes max. I've actually done a video walking you step-by-step showing where all the hardware is on how to do that. I will link that up in the card, and you can watch that, and you can see me do it on my car. And the video took longer to watch than it'll actually take to take this bumper cover off. So easy. Just take it off and fix your headlights. You can fix these headlights sometimes. depends on how bad they are. Go to the junkyard, get the parts, get the headlights from the junkyard, whatever, salvage yard and just replace the headlights. You can probably even get replacement headlights for pretty cheap. The big reason I took this question over some other ones is because I wanted to talk about the drivetrain vibration issue. This can be one of like four different problems. Okay, and we're gonna start at the very front of the car and we're gonna kind of walk backwards from the front to the back with the powertrain. This is a powertrain issue. We're gonna start with the very front engine mount. It's called a snub-nose mount. It's like a donut that goes into what's actually a boost pipe that runs around the front of the car. If that's gone, the engine actually can sit too low or on acceleration it bounces up and can even hit the hood, but it can vibrate on that pipe. That's a hard metal pipe that's bolted on and it can cause a whole vibration issue in the front of the car. Problem number one. So look at that, you can take the belly pan off and just right in the center, it's in the dead center of the car, if you look forward from like right under the oil pan you'll see it or you won't if you don't see it clearly that's the problem you can replace it with a factory one for pretty cheap you can buy the big urethane donuts. those a lot of people say have too much feedback in them it's gonna be better than whatever you're dealing with now problem number one problem number two is the hydraulic engine mounts that car has two engine mounts that bolt right above the subframe obviously to the engine and they're filled with fluid this fluid leaks these mounts break that can increase vibration feedback into the vehicle that's problem number two in fact i have not done a video on it yet but i will do a video on it because both of mine are leaking so they will be getting replaced very soon problem number three is going to be the inner cv joints and you maybe think charles how can inner cv joints cause this vibration when you're not even moving what happens is all this feedback coming into the car your inner cups are worn the inner cup has three balls that slide right into it they're not really balls but they're little rollers that slide right into it and that just vibrates inside and it gets worse and worse and worse and you feel it through the whole car the best way to tell if it's the axles or really something else is when you shift it into neutral the vibration almost completely goes away almost a dead giveaway most of the time that it's the inner cv joints you might be able to fix this you might be able to take those cups out and swap them side to side personally i'd probably just get new axles on a car that old it's probably just time for it anyway this wasn't as big of an issue on the 1.8 turbos as it was on the tdi's the tdi's would shake the car violently they were really bad but i have experiences on a 1.8 turbo so my gut says that's probably what the problem is but you need to check those other two things and this third one or fourth one excuse me i'm about to mention and that's the mounts for the transmission they are just behind where the axles are look at those mounts they're not fluid filled but they are rubber they crack if they're not split completely don't worry about those yet but what happens is the snub nose wears that causes more strain on the hydraulic ones the fluid leaks out all by itself anyway that puts more strain on the trans mount so now you have all this movement of your powertrain going on every time you accelerate decelerate even turning corners that shifting of weight And it puts more stress on it, then they wear faster, then puts more stress on it and wear faster, on and on and on. So, look at all those mounts, but my gut says, when I first read this, that it's probably the inner CV joints. All right, guys, I'm gonna wrap it up there. We are coming very close to the last episodes of the year. There's one more Q&A show left in 2017. I'm gonna be doing a 2017 wrap-up video, because 17 was just mind-blowingly bonkers for the channel, for the community, for me personally. Uh, It's been a really great year and, and you guys are such a huge part of that. I cannot, legit cannot thank you enough. So if you like this video, hit that thumbs up button. Don't forget to subscribe here on YouTube, ding the notification bell. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform if you'd rather listen than watch or at HumbleMechanic.com, which is the easiest way. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, on Snapchat. If you want to support the show, check out crew members, check out Patreon, or use my Amazon link. That one costs you 0 zero dollars $0 extra than you was going to spend anyways. So, guys, with that, I'm out. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I will see you again next time.